We've only got two Sundays left today and next week on the series that we're doing on the life of Joseph. And um, he was a dreamer and that's what this series is all about. God gave him dreams. God gave him um, expectations. He opened up his eyes, gave him the, the, the grace to be able to see much more than what these natural eyes can see. We began the series, this is part seven, sorry, part six now. We began the series talking about the fact that God operates by dreams and visions. How many of you know, without a vision, people perish? The Bible says, without a vision, people perish. They wander round and round in circles, not having a clue what they're doing. But thank God, He gives us a vision. He gives us dreams. We are people who live in the future. We don't live in the past. We're not always remembering what's gone behind. The Bible says, forget what lies behind. Press on into the future that God has for you. We don't just live in today. We need to understand today and be present today. But you know what? The Bible says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. How many of you know your heavenly Father knows you have need of stuff? And he says, today's concern is, is sufficient for today. Live into your tomorrows. Press in to your tomorrows. The Bible didn't say the path of the righteous is stagnant. It says the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. And he straightens the path for your feet. You go from one degree to the next degree. Every Everything in God is about going forwards in life. So we are people of dreams and visions, amen? The next um, um, uh, Sunday, we had a day um, understanding and considering something that I called, this won't last forever. You know what, when... Um, Joseph was about, people say, 15 to 17 years old and he saw the vision and the parents were bowing down to him and the, uh, and the brothers were bowing down to him. You know, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat thing. And, um, you know, they were all bowing down to him and he was 17. And then he went through so many things, but everything he went through was temporary. Temporary. The Bible says, don't look at the temporary. Look at what is unchangeable, unshakable, eternal, the Word of God, the things that God has promised us. So you know what? This won't last forever. It may have gone on for a week. It's temporary. It may have been gone on for a year. It's temporary. It may have been the last five years of your life. You know what? It is temporary. God is the God of bringing change into our reality. Can I hear an amen this morning? What was the next thing? We understood that God is setting us up. What's He setting us up for? For victory. He's setting us up for abundance. He's setting us up for promotion. He's setting us up for favour. God is setting us up for the best future that He has for us. One of my, one of my contacts, you know, um, he's got a TV programme and he calls it your best life because that is exactly what God has got prepared for you and I. Can I hear an amen this morning? And everything is a stepping stone and a pathway into everything that God has for us. What was the next Sunday? We understood that we are far bigger than whatever it is we're going through. You're bigger than that. You're bigger than that. What are you bigger than? You're, you are, you're far bigger than offence. We seem to live in a society that loves to be offended. Come on, you're bigger than that. You're bigger than unforgiveness. You, 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 you're far bigger than resentment. You're far bigger than depression. 
anxiety. You're bigger than whatever it is you're going through. The Bible says whatever you go through, you are only going through it because God can see you're already bigger than that and you're going to come out the other side with, with another notch on your belt. You're bigger than that. You're bigger than that. I love to tell myself, Melfi, you're bigger than that. Look at myself in the mirror in my office. I, some people think, why have you got such a big mirror there? Because I'm bigger than that thing. Bigger than that. I stand there and go, Melfi, you're bigger than whatever it is you're going through. What was part five? Well, I wasn't here for part five, but it was awesome. It was about forgetting what lies behind. Come on, guys. If we live in the past, we're just going to die off. We've got to live in the future. Forget that thing that somebody said. Forget the hurt that was caused for you, to you. Forget what the words were that were said to you. Forget that experience that you went through. I believe that God's Word and God's Spirit can actually remove the barbs and remove the hurt and remove the pain from whatever it is we've gone through. Even, even uh, Joseph was forgotten in the prison. But you know what? He didn't, when his family came to him, he didn't remind them, you guys are a bunch of toe rags. He just said, you know what? Come on, God has caused this to work together for our good. And he forgot what lies behind and he laid hold of the good things that God had for him. Isn't that good news? But today, we're going into really just a very straight teach. This is just a very straight Sunday. Is that Okay. Now, this is the better crowd, so that doesn't mean to say it's a quieter preach. And, you know, we need some feedback here and we need some response. The Bible is really, really clear that until we say something out of our mouth, we've not actually received it in our heart. Amen. Okay. So today I want to speak on things that accompany vision. Things that accompany vision. We are visionaries, we live in the future. We live in the realm of the unseen being more real than the realm we see. The Bible says, do not look at the things that can be seen because the things that can be seen are temporary, but the things that you can't see are eternal. If all we live by is what we see with these eyes, then we're just going to be trapped into impossibilities. But if we look into the realm where God is, in the realm of promises, in the realm of all things are possible, in the realm of mountains moving, in the realm of, of the valleys being raised up, in the realm of where God does things supernaturally, then you know what? That's where we live as Christians. We live in the realm of impossibilities, in the realm of into the future. As I've said, however... A vision does not just come to pass because we have a vision. Hello? Yeah? That's three of us, yeah? Okay. Doesn't come to pass just because we have a vision. <laughs> I've been doing this, Sharon and I have been doing this a long time. We've been around church a long time, leading churches, 30 years in a couple of years. And I've spoken in so many churches, I've heard a lot of church visions. I've been around a lot of people who've had a dream and a vision. Not just churches, individual people. Ah, oh, Pastor Jay, oh, I've got a vision. God said, and God said, if ever I hear God said, we really need to be very careful there because sometimes it's I thought. But that's okay. That's okay. It's not wrong to think. God says he'll do far abundantly above all you can ask or imagine. Yeah, but you know, I've been around a lot of people who say, you know what? Ah, oh, I've got a vision. I've got a vision. And then perhaps in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, it's still not come to pass. 
I can remember I was in a church once, and I've been in many, I've preached in many, many churches, but I was in a church once, and it, it was a pioneering situation. There's about eight or, I think about seven or eight people in the congregation. Very excited church. I mean, the pastor was exploding. I was the guest speaker, and I thought, leave me some room, dear God. I mean, I've come to be a speaker, and you preach for about 40 minutes already. But anyway, excited people do that. I wouldn't know what that's like, really. But anyway, so, um, and there he was, and he was going, yeah, and he said, and I believe we're going to be 500 people this year. And it was like, yeah. It's like, I felt like sort of saying, get real. Now, what's today all about? Today is not about reducing our vision and reducing our dreams. Today is about making sure everything else is raised up in order that the vision and the dream can be fulfilled. Did you get that? This is really important. Because, you know, today I want to talk about four things that are vitally important that must accompany dream, must accompany a vision. Without these things, you're just going to dream forever and nothing's ever going to come to pass. And what people can sometimes do is come out of a day like this and say, oh, you know what, we need to reduce our vision. Uh, 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 you need to dream as big as you can dream. You need to set your goals as high as you can set them. God is the God of impossibilities. God is the God who can make something out of nothing. God is an awesome God. And come on, God wants us to dream big, think big, have great vision, but He doesn't want us to just think great dreams and have great vision. He wants everything else in our lives to be built up to the place where the dream and the vision can come to pass. Can I hear an amen? So we're just going to go straight into this today. And the first statement I want to make is this. A dream without wisdom is unstable, but a dream with wisdom is unshakable. Amen. Come on, can I hear an amen this morning? Okay. What does it say in Matthew chapter 7? Therefore, whoever he's the, hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will compare him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew the boat, the boat, and beat on that house, and it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. This may be a song we teach to our children. The wise man built his house upon the rock. That's all I know of that song, but I've heard Sharon sing it, and the floods came up. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But it's more than a song. It's a principle of life. The wise man built his house upon the rock. I've heard so many people say this over the years. Oh, you must have wisdom. You must have wisdom. And you know, often when people say that, you know what they're saying is, don't dream so big. Hello? Someone's going to step out of a massive boat into a stormy sea. Oh, you must have wisdom though. And it's as if it's, it's sort of contra to the life of faith. Wisdom never is contra to the life of faith. Wisdom doesn't bring down your vision. Wisdom raises up your foundations. This is really important. When you step out of a boat, it may look foolish, it may look crazy, 
It may look like, wow, you really need a breakthrough or you really need God to move. Hey, that's what stepping out in faith is. Having wisdom is not getting back into unbelief. It's having something that goes with your vision. Having something that goes with your step of faith. You see, as we think about uh, Joseph in the Bible, he didn't only have a vision, he had a brain. He had a brain. There are time and time and time again in the Bible, it says it a different way, but in my translation today, where God says, now don't be stupid. Yeah, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Now again, when I'm saying that, we're not talking about bringing your vision down. We're talking about raising our life up. He says, don't be stupid. In the Bible, it says, don't be a fool. This is what wise people do. This is what foolish people do. Don't be foolish. Well, we know from this passage we've just read that there is a power in uh, wisdom to build our life. The Bible even says a house is built through wisdom and filled with all good things through understanding. It says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Her proceeds, wisdom's proceeds, are far better than the profits of silver and again is better than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and everything you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand is wealth and honour. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Happy are all who retain her. The Bible says so much about wisdom. We'd be here all day long if I was to turn to so many scriptures about uh, wisdom. Let's turn to, to Proverbs 4 verses 5 to 9. Get wisdom. Can you hear the urgency of this? Get wisdom, God. Lay. He didn't say reduce your vision. He didn't say don't step out of a boat. It says get wisdom. Get wisdom and get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake wisdom. She will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. In all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt wisdom and she will promote you. She will bring you honour when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace and a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Wisdom, 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 wisdom. What does it give us scripturally? Prosperity, long life, health. It preserves us. We inherit glory, the Bible says, releases the power of God, spreads knowledge, spreads understanding, and it actually teaches our mouth what to say. And how many of you know whatever you put in your mouth is what you're going to live in? Wisdom, 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 wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. It even says of the Lord Jesus Christ, he grew in wisdom from a young age. He grew in wisdom. It's great to refer to the miracles, the signs and the wonders and the anointing, but he spent the first 30 years growing in wisdom. When we have the wisdom of God, everything else comes with it. 
If we chase after the gold and the silver and the precious stones, can I even if we chase after our dreams, you know what they'll do? They'll kill us. But if we chase after wisdom, everything else comes with wisdom. Can I hear an amen this morning? Solomon cried out for wisdom. You see, even Joseph himself was not just anointed, he was wise. It says there about, it will be a crown of glory on our heads. That really can be compared to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want more of God upon my life. I want His presence upon me. But there's something about, about being hungry for the uh, presence of God that we need to always keep in that sort of uh, tension in our life. I can think back, there are two great examples in the Old Testament about the anointing on a king. And the first one is, is King Saul, the first king of Israel. And all the people didn't have a king because Almighty God was supposed to be their king. And they said, we want to be like everyone else. And God said, no, I'm your king. He said, no, we want to be like everyone else. Give us somebody to reign over us. We want Saul. He's head and shoulders above everyone else. He looks like the part. He'll be able to be a good king because he looks like a good king. But the fact of the matter is on the inside of Saul, he wasn't a king. I'm going to say it like this. The guy was a loser. God. Can I say it like that? He was, just, he was a loser. But it says the anointing of God came upon his life. And very interesting what it says. 1 Samuel 10, he was turned into another man. And we go, oh, isn't that wonderful? No, not really. Not really is that a wonderful thing. When the presence of God comes on, you're something. And when the presence of God goes, you're the same old loser. Can I say it like this? The anointing of God was never intended to change us. It was meant to empower us. The other great example is King David. There he was as a young kid out in the fields with the sheep and he was already a worshipper. He was already a covenant-minded person. He was already a psalmist. He was already a guy of faith. He was already somebody who loved God with all his heart, soul and strength. Can I say he wasn't a loser? He was a believer. Can I put it like that? He was somebody that had something on the inside. And God said, I'm going to anoint that. You see, Saul went from, from being this mess to being Superman. But for King David, he was already a man after God's own heart. He was already a, a man of integrity. Loved God. And God poured His Spirit upon that. There was already wisdom in there. There was already love in there. There was already faith in there. There was already an understanding of the character of God on the inside of Him. And the anointing of God empowered Him to be what He couldn't be without the anointing. But it didn't change Him on the inside. It empowered Him on the outside. Is what the anointing of God does. And it's very similar with uh, Joseph. He knew how to run a household. You may go, oh, what's that all about? Well, he was sold to be a slave. He was taken into a man of authority's house to be a servant there. Didn't take long. He ran the whole place. They trusted him with everything. He wasn't just anointed. He was wise. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding here. This is life-changing right here. 
He didn't just have a vision. He knew how to run a household. Who was it? There was, a, there was um, something went out on the web viral the other month, week, year, whenever it was, of a, a guy in the American Navy. And, and he was saying how to be how to be someone who's got your life together and achieve your goals and whatever else. And he said, it starts by learning how to get out of bed in the morning and make your own bed. Do you remember that? Oh, I see you coming alive now. All the mums go, yeah. And the husbands are going, oh, not again. Some years ago now, Sharon basically said, I'm fed up with making the bed. Not because she didn't fed her, but, but I just sort of get out. Throw the sheets, throw the sheets. The sheets would accompany the socks from the night before. Yeah? And then I'd launch into my day as the world overcomer that I am. And there's the bed, unmade. And of course, I'd come home in the evening and whatever else, and there's nice pillows. You know what it is? All you girls will understand this. Pillows there and the over thing and the pillow there and that pillow there. And I think, we're not lying on it. It's just... Phew. You know what? Some time ago, I realized happy wife, happy life. What was it? Happy meal. (laughs) Happy life, happy wife, happy meal. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) I'll call you chicken nugget from now on, shall I? Hello, chicken. (laughs) So funny. He knew, how to, he knew how to run a household of an Egyptian official who had lots of other servants. Amazing. He wasn't just anointed, he had a brain. He knew how to get on with people. You know, can I, today, today's just a straight day. Is that okay? If everywhere you, you ever go, there's always strife around you, Guess what? Guess what? Who's the problem here? Yeah, who's the problem? Oh, everywhere I go, I'm persecuted. Yeah, yeah, and I would too. Do you know what I mean? It's like, just, just learn how to get on with people. Just learn how to be nice. Learn how to get on with people. Here he is, he's not five minutes in a place and he's running the place. Not because he's, you gotta do what I say, but because people got on with him. Hello? Now I've got one story of persecution in my life. Oh God, you know, and I've told that story many times. This girl just hated me and just wanted me out of the job and the whole bit. But you know what, it was an opportunity. It's an opportunity. It's not a problem. Stop moaning. Is this all right? Can I just, just, just. It's an opportunity to, to, to see the love of God break through because either this stuff works or it doesn't. Either it works or it doesn't. And the love of God broke through and, we, and, and it, it all changed. It all changed. That which had been a problem for a couple of years in a very small office environment, it was like me and her. It can't get smaller than that. In a glass office, it was glass all the way round in the middle of a diamond sorting floor when I worked for De Beers. And there's like 50 people out there all sort of sorting their diamonds. 
and there's me and her sitting at a desk working together and she hated me. <laughs> yeah, dear God. But you know what? That was a situation where God's love had to break through. But you know what? Everywhere else, you just got to get on with people. Be someone people like to be about, to be around. You know, when I was 18, well, from when I was 16, I used to, um, I used to, um, I had a part-time job as, uh, as, the, as the dish cleaner and the floor sweeper in a restaurant. Nice restaurant, steakhouse restaurant. And I was the one who washed the plates. Well, we had dishwashers and stuff and, and all that and scrubbed the floor and whatever else. And you just get on with people. Don't moan about your job. Just get on with people. What an opportunity this is. I got saved when I was 18. First two years, still got on with people. Got saved and then turned it into you know, an opportunity to, to show God's love. And, um, you know, you just, you just like people. Don't be the weird one. Be the one people want to be around. And I can remember there was an evening when the chef didn't turn up, phoned in sick just before the restaurant was opening. And it had one chef in that. It was a Sunday night and it was a steakhouse and it was the posh side of the restaurant. There were two sides of the restaurant. There was the, the posh side, which is where I worked, and then there was <laughs> the other side of the restaurant. It's true. And I was in the posh side, so it's where the posh people came and and had their steaks. And the non-posh people went the other side and got it a bit cheaper. Anyway, and so I worked this side, cleaning the dishes, and the chef didn't turn up. And the manager comes down going, flipping it, the chef's not turned up. I said, I'll do it. This is the dishwasher man. I said, I'll do it. And he looked at me. Mr. Denton looked at me. He said, you're on. Put a hat on. Put the hat on, put on my little chef striped uniform, change my trousers, you know, because you, anyway, change. So I looked the part. That's a good start. Look like what you're supposed to be doing, yeah? Went in there, and it's like, here we go. Now, did I fall on my knees and say, dear God, give me the grace to cook the steaks tonight? No. Did I say, Lord, I need the anointing of a chef to fall upon me now in Jesus' name? Did I do any of that? No. You know what I'd done for a couple of years beforehand? I'd looked, I'd watched, I knew what they did. I'd been around, I hadn't just been my old grumpy self, cleaning the dishes. I'd just been part of the team. You watch, you learn. So I chefed that night, did about 30, it was a quiet night, thank goodness for that, but it was about, I did about 35 meals and I got three things, come back, um, was it? Um, compliments to the chef. Oh! Was that anything to do? Was that anything to do with the anointing of God? No. It was wisdom kicked in. I'd learned how to do it. I watched. I'd seen what they did. This is Joseph. He says he knew how to. He was thrown into prison. Ended up running the prison. I mean, that's weird. You give a prisoner the job to run the prison. Give that job to Al Capone and if, like, all the prison doors are open, you know? Everyone's gone, everyone's out. 
He knew how to run a prison. I wouldn't have a clue how to run a prison. I don't know what, just, you just get on with it. You see, wisdom. You can have a dream, but you need some wisdom. He knew what to say and when to say it. He also knew how to keep his mouth shut. Some of us find that really difficult. <laughs> Learn to keep your mouth shut. It's not about being right. It's not about being right. It's about being in relationship. Hello. He knew how to prepare a nation for famine. Oh, well, no, Pastor, I can pick you up on that one. That was a vision. Yeah, it was a vision. He didn't have the vision. The king had the vision. He interpreted the vision. Seven cows and seven ears and all the rest of it. And the, the thin cows ate the fat cows and all the rest of it. But it didn't stay as a vision. The king said, do everything he said. I don't know about you, I wouldn't have a clue how to start running a nation. I mean, where'd you start? You've got to go around. You've got to get everybody on your side. I want you to give me 20% of everything you've got. Who are you? I'm the prisoner. I was in the pit. I was sold as a servant. I was accused of rape. And then I was thrown in prison. And I understood a vision. So now you've got to do what I say. I mean, you've got to put this, this story together. He ran the nation. Why? Wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom, 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 wisdom. Wisdom. See, God's word becomes in us wisdom. But other things become wisdom. Experience become wisdom when we listen to God through the experience. Other people's experience becomes wisdom to us. You know what? I, I, I'd love to say to so many people, just don't believe what you see on TV. Don't believe what you see on TV. I, um, I love to watch classic car shows. And there's one that will remain nameless that I love to watch. And, you know, they restore cars and they do stuff in a time frame. And I got to talk to somebody a couple of years ago about a car that was restored on there and they said yeah they sent out all the parts to me who's an expert in that car and I rebuilt it and I sent it all back and they just finished it off now that's fine that's fine but it didn't look like that on the program <laughs> it looked like they did everything but they didn't he said I did it all not, not the whole, I did all of this, 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 and this. They found it all out to me. I rebuilt all the engine. I rebuilt all the, all the suspension and all the whatever else. And I sent it all back to them, all done. Don't believe everything you see. About all sorts of things. Get rich quick schemes. I don't know where, I just, just so many things. Don't believe what you see on the news, please. Opinions everywhere. Opinions everywhere. Back in the 50s, this is really interesting. I've, you know, I've gone back and watched some, some, some reporting from the 50s. You know what they do? They report the news. This happened. That happened. This is what they said. 
That's what they said. You know what we have today? Oh, well, this happened and you know what I think. That's the reporters. You get everything has got opinion all over it. We've, we've completely come away from just objective news into subjective news. And it's the same with everything. You know how a person can grow in, in understanding, insight and wisdom hanging around wise people. Don't just open your ears and receive everything that gets thrown at you. If you're about to start a job or start a business, go sit with someone who's done it. Don't just believe the adverts. Is, is this okay? Yeah, are you getting me? Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. I need to move on. Number two. That's probably the biggest one of the, of the thing. It's okay. Number two. A dream without people is pointless. A dream with people is unstoppable. The Bible is really, really clear. In the example we have of the life of Joseph, it began, it's all about me, 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 me. All your sheets of wheat are going to bow down to me. It's about me. But you know what? The end of the vision was very different from the beginning of the vision. The point of the vision was saving the world. Yeah, hello? Yeah. The point of the vision of the sheets of wheat was not about, oh, it'll all be about, you know, you and everybody falls down to you. No, the point of it was that he saved the world from famine. That was the point of it. He didn't know that when he was 17, but he knew it as he grew up. He found out it wasn't just about me. There are examples in the Bible. I could go to Genesis 11. The whole earth had one language and one speech. It came to pass as they journeyed from the east. The whole world, this is. At that time, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there and they said to one another, come, let us make uh, bricks and let us um, bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. Just a little point there. It was God's plan that they be scattered over the face of the earth. He said, go into all the earth and fill the earth and subdue the whole earth. Don't huddle together. A church that huddles will soon die off. Come on, good preaching, Pastor Jay. Thank you very much. Oh no, we huddle together in our small group. Well, I'm glad you're close in your small group, but don't huddle together. It's not a bunker. It's not a bomb shelter. Oh, we can't do life. We're all hiding together and all loving each other. Oh, we need to drop a bomb in there. We need to look out. Hello, we need to, as a church. Oh, no, I mean, I've heard this. Dear God, where do some people get their stupidity from? It's just, it's just, where do they find this stuff? You know, oh, in the end times, you've got to be really careful who comes into your church. Oh, no, we need to all gather together and we need to all be, all be in love. We don't want any, 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 what's the word, deception infiltrating into the church. We need to huddle. We need to have everybody's back and protect everybody. I am more interested in the people out there coming in here than us being some holy huddle that never has a problem. Seriously. Oh, we need, to, we need to huddle, Pastor Jay. No, I'm not huddling with you. Is that okay? I'm not huddling with you. I'm spreading out into the world. Forget these walls are here. 
Amen. Amen. Don't huddle. Just tell four or five people, don't huddle. There you go, there you go. I trust you get what I'm saying there. They didn't want to be scattered, so they huddled. Build a city, build a tower for us. But the Lord came down and said, what the heck are you doing? These people are so unified, nothing's going to be impossible for them. That's the power of unity, just saying. They all have one language. They're all saying the same thing, going in the same direction. They're all building the same thing. Nothing's going to be impossible for them. There is nothing more powerful than a group of people who are moving. Nothing more powerful. You may not be the greatest group, but if you've got oneness, nothing can stop you. They're unstoppable people movements. Unstoppable. You get a small group of people stirred up about something all going in the same direction, nothing is going to stop them. You can change the law, you can change a culture, you can change a generation, you can change anything when some people get together and decide we're going to do this. On your own, you know, oh, I've got a vision, Pastor Jay, I've got a vision, I'm going to build my family. Well, it could develop into a vision to build a generation. Just get a couple of people together. Hello? Get people around your vision. Number three. A dream without finance is impotent. A dream with finances will multiply. I've said a lot about this over the years and actually over the last few weeks, we've just had our first fruits offering. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who will finance your vision. Is that what it says? It is he who will finance your vision. No, that's not what it says. It says it, was, it is he who will give you the power to get wealth in order that the vision can come to pass. Very, very different. Sadly, the body of Christ has developed so often, you know, a theology that says God is going to finance my vision. And that's not the case. There are so many churches, so many individuals who live all their life and their vision never comes to pass because they haven't got the money to do it. Is this okay today? I'm just being really blunt. Oh no, that's, in that case, we need to bring down our vision to the point where we can afford it. No, there's no need for God then, is there? We're not talking about bringing the vision down. We're talking about bringing our life up. We're talking about raising up our life in wisdom with people. Get around people, lift your, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Pick your life up, bring it up. Don't be independent. You can't be a Christian on your own. Get around other people. But finances... God is not just going to give you money for you to do your vision. What's He going to do? Give you the power to get wealth in order that the vision can come to pass. Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favour my righteous cause. Can I say it in our translation? Have a party about your vision. Have a party. We need to get excited in this place more and more and more because, you know, God's presence and God's vision and God's dream and faith needs to affect our emotions far more than it does. We're not just going to be an emotional church, but come on, our, God has given us emotions for us to express our passion. Let them shout for joy and be glad the people who have a vision and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant to see the vision come to pass. 
I get excited about vision being fulfilled. And I get excited about God prospering us in order that we can be a blessing in Jesus' name. A dream to feed a handful of people can become a dream to feed a whole multitude if finances get involved. Finances are an amplifier of what we can achieve. A dream to build your family can become a dream to build a generation if only you got some more money. Hello? Don't bring your vision down, bring your finances up. Come on, a dream, a dream to plant a church can become a dream to plant a whole movement. A dream to have a successful business can become a dream to finance the kingdom of God. With more money, more can be done. Today is not about bringing our dream down. It's about four things that must accompany our dream. Must, number one is wisdom. Wisdom, 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 wisdom. Number two is people. Number three is finances. Wealth is an amplifier of who we already are. And number four, as we close, thank you, Tayo, a dream without faith is a non-starter. But a dream with faith is a powerful force. Faith, we've already talked a lot about faith today. Hebrews 11, 1 to 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. For by it the elders obtained a good, a good testimony. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made out of things which are uh, visible. Can I just say that in a way that often people say, you know what, God created everything out of nothing. Uh, no, he didn't. Faith is not nothing. The word of God is not nothing. And when we come to the place where we understand faith is substance, faith is stuff. Faith is what we build things out of. Faith is real stuff, you just can't see it. The Bible doesn't say God created the, everything out of nothing. He says the things you can see were made out of stuff you cannot see. Your vision is going to be made out of your faith. Did we get that? How did somebody uh, create this? They got some acrylic, they got some aluminium, and they made the lectern. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Acrylic and steel and aluminium is the substance of the lectern. Does that, does that make sense? What's the lectern, Pastor Jay? You dream. The family, the business, the church, the plants, the church plants, the new buildings, whatever it is. That's the dream. Oh, God's going to, no, God didn't create this. Someone built it. Someone built it. What did they use? Plastic and aluminium. What's going to build our dreams? The spirit of faith is going to build our dreams. Wisdom is going to build the house. You know, finances are going to pay for it. Other people are going to get involved, which means it's not this big of a vision, it's that big of a vision. It will multiply the more people get involved. Well, even in my own personal life, yeah, don't do life alone. Do life with other people. Yeah, but it's my business. It may be your business, but come on, we're a body. Get other people involved. We'll stand with you. We'll believe with you. Get other people involved and the business can go to a whole other level. 
The amplified version of that verse says this, Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not yet seen, the conviction of their reality. One version says the amplified, the old amplified says, Faith perceiving as a real fact what is not yet revealed to your senses. Faith perceiving as a real fact what is not yet revealed to your senses. We are a people of faith. We are a people of wisdom. We are a people of other people. And we're a people of finances. Four things that must accompany any vision. Don't bring your dream down. Oh, you know what? It's just unwise to step out of the boat. No, it's not. It's faith to step out of the boat, but make sure it's faith that's doing it. Don't bring your vision down to walk on water. Oh, no, we can't believe to walk on water. You, you can believe to walk on water, but come on, let's build our faith to a place where we do walk. Oh, that dream is so big, Pastor Jay. Are you sure that's wisdom? No, the dream is dream. It's not wisdom. The dream is dream. But we need to build wisdom that the dream can be fulfilled. Never bring your dream down. Never shortcut your dream. Why? Because you just bring it down and 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 down to the place where you don't even need God to, to fulfill it. Did you get anything out of that today? Yeah. Boom. Wonderful.